Hello, this is Billy Lennon. Um, welcome to CRB Podcast Episode 7.2 with our visual arts critic and editor, Tony Master Mateo. Um, we're talking about his piece, Art and Fear, which we have an audio version of, which we published um, before this in episode 7.1. In this episode, we essentially lie out, um, lay out Slaughterdyke's um, concept of stress in society and how it um, acts on society and kind of forces populations to band together to withstand that stress so that stress becomes the thing that holds the nation together even though it's actively putting pressure on it and we also talk about ways in which one can evade being a part of a large singular stress bubble so to speak and find something else in common with other people um, to create a stress bubble uh, within the larger one whether that's fantasy football or you know being a Browns fan or reading the same book as someone so there's a lot to unpack here um, we talk about everything from hardcore German philosophy to that episode of Family Guy where Peter Griffin makes his own nation in his backyard. So um, I hope you enjoy the podcast. It's very serious, but there are some funny parts. Enjoy. I am here. This is Billy Lennon, um, editor-in-chief of Clean Review of Books with our... I guess his official title is Contributing Writer, but his actual title is Visual Arts Critic. He's like our visual arts critic um, or something like that. Um, He's an artist who lives in Talmadge outside of Akron. Um, Tony Master Mateo. How's it going, Tony? Good, thanks. Uh, Thanks for the invitation to the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Team effort. Um, Whenever there's a group of people willing to listen to me, I'm always willing to talk. Yeah, right. Whether I know what I'm talking about or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, and so your piece was a, you wrote a piece for us on March 5th about Peter Slaughterdyke's book, Stress and Freedom, and the mass media's ability to prey on that stress, I guess you could say. How art has this capacity to allow us to, um, in the words of the Greeks, thalmadzein, which means like to be surprised. It, it like shocks you and lets you come back, like back away from the problem, then come back to it with a clearer head in terms of solving it versus continually being on the back foot. Um, that's kind of a, how I took your piece. Um, yeah, I think I think I would say it's even more than just mass media. I think mass media even talks about it. That's one of the dynamics. But I think he's talking about it even as a structural, governmental, societal um, organizing principle. And so media may be one of the tools and there's a media dynamic of it. But I think what he's talking about is the idea that um, – you move the mind away from maybe kind of fundamental issues, which might deal with, with how things are structured and, and how things go forward. And you give a constantly revolving 
set of contents, which which kind of keeps pricking the anxiety meter, you know? And so and it I think of... it's even more fundamental than, than being a media critique. It's basically, I, I mean, it's a really genius argument, right? Because he's, he's starting with this notion of philosophy and wonder, right? Mm -hmm. And from there he goes on and he says, but... I've been doing this philosophy thing, this intellectual thing for 30 plus years, and I know hundreds of people, and I may know one person that actually, you know, works with wonder. Like, I think that the idea is that, like, there's a populations that come together to form societies, which are held together by institutional structures, and their ability to withstand stress is like, what makes them distinct or something because i also felt like a difference between like is he talking about western civilization or is he talking about like what's coming with global society you know like a global uh, society yeah yeah the way so the way i understood it was that what what's actually going on for him is that you have no organizing principle in the traditional way, like he distinguishes, you know, at one point he, he kind of puts in quotations nation, right? And nation could mean any number of identifying principles which organize you around. And so then he talks about, you know, society, right? Or this thing that we call now this society. And his main argument, the transition from wonder is he is shocked that the social sciences don't register wonder at the ability to organize immensely large numbers of people outside of having an identifying principle yeah. that unites them, right? And so in the past, it could have been religion. It could have been we all grew up in this village. It could have been we speak the same language. But what he's saying is we now... support the Browns. Yeah, it could yeah. be, you know, you could have any kind of like a a nation that's built on an identifying structural tribalism of some sort. Which is kind of deconstructed now, if we're talking about the nation. Like in terms What's of that? water, that's sort of deconstructed. That You could view that as a deconstruction of the notion of nation and create your own nation or whatever that means. Peter Griffin and Family Guy founds his own country uh, called like Pretoria or something. And like, that he like, goes to war with America. It's it's his own nation. Uh, I like to inject a little bit of humor into the podcast when I can. <laughs> Anyways, go well, ahead. I'm sorry to actually makes that point because what he says is he says the amazing thing about the organization and unifying principle of any large numbers is that the individual has actually been made infinitely inviolable, right? By and sui generis, the, the generator of his or her own meaning. So the idea that two, even two people can get together and have some kind of common cause, right? Like Peter, like what you just said in Family Guy, yeah, right? Is yeah. that everybody essentially conceives of themselves as a nation state, right? Uh -huh. And everybody is like the shit. Everybody is the most important thing. And now how do you, it's hard enough to get two people to do it. Right. Yeah, I mean, or cohesive bond. What or cohesive, is the cohesive yeah. bond? Yeah, and so uh, what he says is basically the cohesive bond is the ability to unite under 
a, a, a situation of constant stress. So you take a group of people and they're united under a constant unifying point of focus, which is a stressor. So it's like if you took, if you had like a trampoline in your backyard and just like kept piling on rocks and seeing how long it took until it like broke. Is it like that? Well, the way I think about it is I think a really good example for me, and I, I could be wrong. I mean, I could just could all be total shit, right? So yeah, the way I, mean, I understand yeah. it is that imagine Netflix, okay? Okay. I don't know you. I don't, you know, very well. I don't know anybody. But you know what? If we talk about, uh, what is it, Lion King? Lion or King, where the fuck came out right now, yeah. Yeah. It's always we, on to the next one. It's always a different... Like, but it, we're all united by that, right? It's so true. It's, a, it's true. And on NPR, there was like a, there was like a, I think that all TV critics should be gulags, to be honest with you, um, sent to Siberia. But there was some TV critic on NPR who was talking about the main reason to watch Game of Thrones is so you can like participate in like the current discourse. And it's like, you don't have to enter that discourse. You can create your own discourses within your own communities which can withstand stress. And I think that's one way I interpret what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Well, the, the first thing is, uh, another perfect example is fantasy football, right? That's I, good ass. I play fantasy football because in I play fact, fantasy soccer, actually, Premier League. Yeah. 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 But the fact is that everybody says you can do it and resist. But in reality, if you do resist... If you don't watch Lion King or you don't like Tiger King or whatever the hell it's called, if you don't play fantasy football, if you, um, you know, don't have the latest, you know, whatever that. Whatever that I watch or some shit or like the latest update or or like yeah, Apple Snow Leopard or whatever. Like. In fact, you are excluded, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't have any entry path onto the highway. What if you don't want to so, go there, though? Well, I, I think that's a really romantic notion. Like, yeah. for example, I'm sitting here in my studio. I have been for 15 years, and I don't particularly need to go on that highway, right? I really don't give a fuck. Because then there's but, other people. I saw a woman driving a car yesterday with, like, a Go CrossFit uh, vinyl, like, like, sticker on her car. And I was like, damn, that's so stupid. And I talked to my mom about it, and she was like, yeah, she's probably paid by the company to put that on her car. So it's like, that's a, a situation where you're kind of like forced to go down that highway, you know, um, yeah, literally. I mean, the thing is, but I'm forced to go on the highway because I actually enjoy the communication between authentic people. So I will get on, I will get on the highway in hopes that I find somebody else on the highway yeah. who has, because there's no romance about sitting in a cold studio by myself for 15 years, right? I think it's, it's beautiful, beautiful, Tony. Be yeah, when, beautiful. You, when you're 26, when you're 24, it was I'm romantic. I'm 26. Right? Yeah, it's kind of romantic. It's not romantic when you're 50. It's cold, it's lonely, it's uh, isolating. And part of all of this, whether it be this podcast, my painting, that for me, is inherently communicative, right? It, it always is. Yeah, Jean-Luc Nancy, his notion of we're being in common or being with prior to even being an I or a self um, okay. relates to that.
Um, so yeah, everything's in discourse with each other. Yeah, like yeah. Well, the that's, that's Adorno I, too. I'm reading Aesthetic Theory by Adorno right now, and that's where I also came up with the idea that podcasts are like legitimately, like legitimately can be or are a form of art. Yeah. So I, I have a real problem with the notion that um, that authenticity is designated by isolation, right? Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. So that somehow, you know, everything that's not absolute authenticity, which is shown by isolation and suffering, is sellout. Yeah. You know what? That, that's total bullshit, right? And so I actually enjoy being in community. Now I want to have some control. I will make a trade-off. I will be part of some communities, which I don't totally align myself with all elements, fantasy football maybe, yeah. so that I can have a, a, a chance meeting with the authentic thing which just, I'm actually searching for. Just to give you an idea as well on, like, on my end, and at this point I'm not even sure if I'm talking about Slaughter Dyke, um, but like I'm doing a MPhil at the Center for Research in Modern European Philosophy in Southwest London where I was living in Peckham in Southeast London. And uh, literally, I have a group of guys here in Cleveland who I, um, but a bunch of us, um, not just them, uh, just like a bunch of us in like the collective soccer group and our team, our league team, which was called Put It In The Mixer. Uh, we, we, had, we have a, I stayed in the group chat for the team um, so I could be in the next season, uh, like this summer. But we also had Fantasy Premier League, which was like, the best thing in terms of like being in relation in community with something like that, that, that form of community was more important to me than most of the interactions I had in person with people in London, to be quite fair, to, to be honest, because I wasn't trying to like snort cocaine with people from Berlin in like some overpriced Dalston apartment, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll meet that part out, but <laughs> Yeah. So part of it is, and what I find interesting about the, the slaughter dike thing is that I definitely don't want the notion of the stressor being invalidated because my authenticity goes beyond it. Mm -hmm. Meaning like, hey, I just check out. So your stressor is not valid to me because you should just like not be stressed by it. Right. I'm not trying to say that the circumstance we have right now uh, globally uh, whether it be climate change or and disease. You wrote this on March 5th. March 5th, before all this. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, these, are, these are authentic stressors, right? My, my point is that the question is, does the stress move as a paradigm from stress to stress so that you never address it in any way? Or is it something that you, you can relate to it the way a person relates to a floor plan of a house, your perspective is removed so that you actually have what can what is not actually true, but but you can think of as true as as an objective vision of what the house is. So it's like force intention. Yeah, as I well. mean, I, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like my wall, like this wall is, like my desk, as it exists right now. I mean, obviously, we were talking about Whitehead before, and. This desk is already not this desk, if you know what I mean, object-oriented ontology. But, like, it is moving upward, basically, in some sense, in order to hold all the shit on my desk. Right? Yeah. Um, 
I had three more points that are, you know, you can get them to look on.